welcome back, boys and girls, for another special edition of the Michael Deacon Program. Joining me tonight is the return of the freight train. Jim has always remained a controversial figure here on this program and everywhere else. And joining me right now is the one and only Jim Fetzer. How are you, sir? Well, Michael, it's a delight to be on with you during uh, my recovery from double bypass surgery, which occurred on the 22nd. I guess I was most relieved to discover that the Ukrainians had not taken out the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in Ukraine that uh, was going to precipitate a world war. So we're still here. In fact, it seems to me, Michael, that the war is simmering down, that the Russians have firm control. They have an artillery advantage of 10 to 1, even this effort to send cluster bombs, which is just deplorable and is a black eye on the United States because we're among the few nations that haven't signed an international convention banning them, whether residual effects are terrifying for civilian populations, especially children who pick up these little bomblets thinking they're toys and have limbs blown from their bodies, if not killed outright was to compensate for the failure of the West to produce sufficient 155 artillery rounds. Those who are familiar with the intricacies of warfare understand that most deaths do not occur from infantry or from tanks, but from artillery. I was myself an artillery officer in the Marine Corps, and the Russians have a superiority on the order of 10 to 1 also. Their production line for artillery shells is working fine. Others have commented as long as six months or more ago that Ukraine was destined to lose because the West did not have the facilities to manufacture the munitions, which the Ukrainians were firing at an astounding pace. I'm surprised the barrels of some of their howitzers didn't actually melt. They were firing so many shells in such rapid succession. But Russia has firm control of not only Crimea and the Donbass, but other regions which they are not going to surrender. Zelensky's gone to the NATO summit to complain about the failure of NATO to move forward with his membership. But while they've made the gesture of relieving Ukraine from satisfying the membership action plan, which would ensure that aspiring NATO members meet certain political, economic, and military standards that join the alliance, which I suspect Ukraine, in fact, could not satisfy, that they are going to waive those requirements in the case of NATO. On the other hand, I'm very glad to say Germany is going to block NATO's accession into NATO on the basis of their fear of a widening war with Russia. Those who have followed closely understand the bombing of the Nord Stream pipeline really was intended to disrupt peaceful commercial relations between Russia and Germany, where Russia was going to provide cheap energy to Germany, reviving its stature as an economic powerhouse, a driving force in Europe. It was going to be obvious, as with such a productive relationship, that there was no military threat from Russia and that NATO was an anachronism that could be dispensed with. It's very expensive to maintain those troops. And if Russia and Europe were on good, firm economic ground, it would be unnecessary to buy the high-priced military equipment the United States can provide, such that 
the military industrial complex was very alarmed. Of course, we had statements from the guy who calls himself Joe Biden and from Victoria Newland that if Russia were to intervene in Ukraine, that Nord Stream would be no more. They didn't explain how it would be done. But Seymour Hirsch has explained in some detail how a special team of Navy drivers put in the explosives on the pipeline that were then detonated remotely, where Norway, sad to say, appears to have had a role to play. But now Europe is suffering all the consequences. Russia is thriving. BRICS is flourishing. More countries are lining up. They're even planning to have their own gold-backed currency. The dollars on the wane is being abandoned as a petrodollar. The consequences, Michael, for the quality of life in the United States are going to be astonishing. But most Americans have no idea what is coming. So when you look at the war, there's a, a mixed result. I mean, the tremendous damage that has been done, not just in Ukraine, but really ultimately to the other European nations by virtue of having a leadership that was unequal to the task of dealing with Russia and Nord Stream, it would have been a bonanza for everyone, but the elites and the military-industrial complex did not want to allow it to happen, and we find ourselves in the midst of a war which could still go nuclear, but where I think now the prospect of that happening is dramatically reduced. So I'm simply happy to say that in a couple of weeks, uh, I've been... Uh, in a post-surgery condition, I've been uh, relieved to see how this has been evolving in terms of the world at war in relation to Ukraine. And ironically, the great benefactor is going to be Russia and BRICS and not the United States or NATO, which are going to suffer massively the consequences of all this. Russia, incidentally, doesn't need to take all of Ukraine, nor do I anticipate it will at this point in time, but rather roughly 40 percent, where the rest will be a dysfunctional Ukrainian state, and NATO, I think, won't go anywhere near making it a member. So Zelensky can complain all he wants. There's a photograph from this Villa Summit where all the members, the leaders of NATO, have their backs turned on Zelensky. And I think that photograph symbolizes the way this is all playing out. I've seen that one, yes. It's quite embarrassing to see him like that. But then again, he is an embarrassing individual in general. I mean, that's a very strange, small-looking man, Jim. Oh, it is. And of course, he was very a kind of a comedian and a pervert. Right. Playing playing the piano with his penis. I mean, this guy supposed to be a world leader and a beacon of democracy and freedom. He's a, he, he, he's a tyrant, a petty tyrant. And, and the idea that the West should be lauding him as a hero is simply absurd. Frankly, it gets to the deeper aspect of all of this, which is why the war has gone on apace for so long and with at such cost to the West. Israel, the inhabitants of which are in fact not descendants the tribes of Judah, but rather are Khazarians from the region that is now modern-day Ukraine, want to return to create the new Israel, and they're going all out. They want to fight this war to the last American soldier, and because ours is an Israel, our Congress is Israeli-occupied territory, and because our media are dominated, how many times have I reported 
have a panel of 100 executives from CNN, every one of whom is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen, another panel of 100 executives from NBC, every one of whom is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen, another panel of 100 executives from the New York Times, every one of whom is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen, and where Cynthia McKinney revealed on Press TV, the Iranian news service, back in 2011, what she said to me, she thought everybody knew about the pledge, that new members of Congress are has to sign a pledge to put the interests of Israel ahead of even that of the United States. And where, oh, seven or ten years ago, a colleague of mine asked me, did I know how many members of the present Congress had refused to sign the pledge? And when I acknowledged I did not, he raised one finger of one hand, Michael, so the reason all this is going all out is because of the influence of Israel, the Zionists. I hesitate to use the word Jews because there are Jews who are not Zionists. Right. But there are virulent forms of Zionism that are built on Jewish supremacy. And where it even appears that what's going on in France with all the riots was actually an event to which the U.S. contributed mightily when a Hollywood movie mogul was appoint who happens to be Jewish was appointed by Barack Obama to be ambassador to France, and he developed a seven point plan to create a, a racial tension in a nation where it did not previously exist, and went about implementing and fomenting that plan, where the consequences are enormous for France, but it was all predicated on the French society and culture being overly white, too white. And we see, of course, uh, this is sometimes described as a clergy plan, because way back in the 1930s, account clergy devised a plan to disrupt European culture by infiltration of massive migration from Africa. We now have the Western Hemisphere variation taking place with a massive migration from South and Central America, though, Michael, when you add up the total number of countries represented by the migrants flooding the country, which include, as of this date, some 400,000 Chinese who appear to be very physically fit, you know, militarily trained, I suspect, where I think we're going to find ourselves enmeshed in a similar series of developments right here in the USA, because while they come in unarmed, we know from the past that non-law enforcement or DOD-related agencies of the United States government, such as the Environmental Protection League or Social Security, have acquired $4 billion worth of military arms for which they have no discernible use. I'm convinced they've been stockpiled in caches around the country and that DHS has now given the migrants cell phones with instructions where they can locate the weapons and, of course, communicate and coordinate their efforts. But I'm terribly concerned we're going to see some kind of violent action take place within the United States by this migrant army invading where the Biden admin is all in. In fact, it turns out there's a camp in Panama that's run jointly by the UN and by the Department of Homeland Security to process these migrants and prepare them to come to our border, and then they're brought by convoys, the doors of which are adorned with a star of David to flood the United States. I mean, this is 
the most outrageous, egregious breach of national security have I ever witnessed in my 82 years as an American citizen. And Michael, the idea that an American government should be spearheading the destruction of America is simply appalling. It's pretty wild. And right now I'm seeing that NY housing. More asylum seekers than homeless New Yorkers in migrant crisis, by the way. Yes, and they've got a great problem. Where are you going to put these people? Where are I mean, you going to put them? Yeah. They've been housing them in hotels, but hotels by zoning laws are not homeless shelters. And Mayor Adams has even gone so far as to suggest <clears throat> homeowners could take migrants into their homes for $175 a day. But can you imagine <laughs> taking someone you don't know of a different culture who That's might wild. have unknown diseases or practices, could be a thief, a rapist, or why would anyone in their right mind bring a migrant into their home, even if they're being paid 175 bucks a day? I mean, Michael, it is disgraceful. It's a pretty big gamble, especially with how things are economically here in the United States. It wouldn't be a good idea, in my opinion, to bring in a bunch of uh, extra mouths to feed. Well, it's colossal stupidity, but it's got to be by design. So where do we expect they're going to reside? I believe the plan is they're going to find residences like your residence, my residence. They're going to be turned over to the migrants right, right. after after we are Oof. summarily evicted and killed. I think that's the agenda, Michael. It might and be. Any, any, any reasonable administration would never have allowed it to come to this. It can only be happening deliberately on purpose with full consciousness of what's intended to come about here, which is about as appalling as it could possibly be. And they are dumping them out here as well, where I am. As you know, Jim, I'm not that far from the border. Um, and I, I've seen it. They get dropped off here, Jim. This is like the last stop, by the way. Michael, I can well believe it. I mean, so where are they supposed to go? I mean, give us a break. They're wandering the streets, Jim, out here. You got millions and millions. Uh, honestly, Michael, I believe the plan has been to bring in minimally 100 million. Now, the U.S. pop is 330 mil, of whom 30 mil are already illegals. So the plan, as I see it, is to bring in at least 100 mil. I have heard the U.N. agenda is to bring in 600 million. So, I mean, that would be double the present U.S. population. So we're then nothing but a nation of migrants. I mean, not just historically, but contemporaneously. And, I mean, the destruction of America at that point will be complete. By the way, Jim, on a side note, I'm so glad you're here, by the way, and you didn't succumb to this uh, insane procedure that you had to endure, Jim. I've known someone who um, passed away from the same procedure almost. A double bypass? No, it was just a, a single bypass. Well, I had a wonderful surgeon. I regard him as world class. He, I met with him last Friday. And he was ecstatic about my condition. And uh, I've been doing very well. I've had occupational therapists, physical therapists, nurses visiting my home. It must have been a, a week before last Friday because I've had a, a, you know, a lot going on here therapeutically. But I'm doing very, very well. And one of the tests is for me to 
walk around my living room, which doesn't sound like much of a task. Sure. But but when you're recovering from major surgery like this, and yeah, it's open a, heart surgery, Michael, they actually a, stop your heart. Exactly. Performance. It's a yeah, very it's fascinating. Yes, it's but, a very serious procedure. And Jim, did they give you a copy of uh, the tape there? A copy? I mean, of the, of the operation? Right. I mean, some people request that. I I haven't asked for it. I'm sure there is a copy. There probably, I'm, yeah. I'm happy enough with the way things stand. Right, yeah. You don't need to but see I'm that. Between, you know, 10 circumnavigations of my living room at a time, and I, it hasn't even caused me to breathe hard. And I've done it on four different occasions some days. I've done it twice a day, and I'll be doing it more subsequently. But I'm feeling very good. Nice. I've had one of the nurses, one of the occupational therapists, I think, say that I'm in such good shape that she's signed off on her part. Now, there will be long-term cardiac therapy, a regimen I'll be going through here beginning on the 20th. Okay. But uh, the fact is, Michael, that I'm you feel feeling good. quite good and yeah. happy about you know all of the above. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. A lot of people I, out there were very worried about you, Jim. I just want you to know that. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I have a friend whose father and brother both underwent the operation. She was very supportive and not surprised that I'm feeling much better. And in about two weeks, I'll feel that much better because it appears from those who have gone through this that after the first two weeks, you're starting to feel better. And after the first four, you're feeling much better. So I anticipate that will be the case. But everything's everything's good, Michael. Very nice. I'm ho I'm hoping, Jim, that um, you take now this time to maybe walk around at night and go on for go on walks if you if you're not doing that already uh, to help well, you recover. I have, you know, before before I had the surgery, I had a, a mile walk right here right okay. near my home. I mean, it's just good, perfect, good. and I'm eager to get back out there with the weather it was so good. Oh yeah. Very nice, Jim. Well, I am relieved that you are feeling much better and jovial as usual. And of course, a lot of uh, the listeners at home very much uh, in your corner, you know, they all wanted you to be better than uh, before. And it sounds like they get their wish, as do uh, I. It may well be. Let, let me just uh, report too. I mean, I had uh, Mike King of the Anti-New York Times who also publishes uh, realhistorychan.com, published a piece uh, I had authored about Sandy Hook that is very thorough and compelling. And I want to urge everyone to check it out. They can find it republished on my blog at jameshfetzer.org. I've also made it available on Twitter at Jim Fetzer. But, of course, you can find the original at realhistorychan.com. I mean, for those who are on the fence about whether Sandy Hook was real or not, would you find it convincing to see that the drill was on the schedule for the Connecticut FEMA in Bridgeport, and they also issued a map to show how to get there to the school on Dickinson Drive? Would you find it compelling? actually see the FEMA manual that was for the exercise. Would you find it compelling to see photographs from inside of the Connecticut State Police files on Sandy Hook? 
of photographs down a hallway that contradict the official narrative where there are supposed to be bodies and pools of blood. There are neither bodies nor pools of blood inside classrooms where there's supposed to be dead kids galore. Not only are there no kids, but no blood, but no student desks or chairs, no teacher desk or chairs. In other words, would you be impressed by photographs from inside the Connecticut State Police files for Sandy Hook, not only contradicting that it had been a mass murder, but demonstrating that it wasn't even an operating school? Or would you be impressed to learn that it wasn't even an elementary school, it was a special needs school that actually closed in 2006, which is why you don't have the normal kind of a bus route We'd like to have a U-shaped driveway so buses could come in, pick up or drop off kids and drive out without having to turn around or run into one another. There's only one access in or out here. And that's because it was a special needs school, no buses required. Parents would simply come in, drop off their kids and drive out. Would you be impressed by the realization there's no playground equipment? Have you heard of an elementary school where there was no playground equipment? So there's not only no way for buses to properly enter or leave the facility, but there's no playground equipment, there are no bike racks, there's no unloading dock for food or whatever uh, to conduct the classes. And this is all over and above the fact that there was no handicapped parking there. I mean, this is in violation of the Americans for Disability Act, Michael. That requires that there be handicapped parking and the familiar blue and white signage and that all entrances and exits be wheelchair accessible. Well, that was not the case at this school, which means it could not have been legally ob. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline operating in 2012 because it was in violation of Connecticut and federal law, which I verified at the time. And of course, you can compound all that with other observations about there having been no surge of EMTs into the building, no string of ambulances to rush their little bodies off to hospitals, no bodies placed on the triage tarps, no medevac helicopter called. When you put it all together, you begin to appreciate this was a gigantic scam. And, and by I the just way, want to encourage anyone, anyone right. who remains in town to check out. I mean, Mike, Mike King showed great integrity in publishing this piece. And I think anyone who takes a look is confined it, con, will find it convincing because I document every point made there. You can have access to those photographs from inside the Connecticut State Police files because they were included in Appendix E of my submission for rehearing to the United States Supreme Court. You can download for yourself the Connecticut State uh, <clears throat> FEMA schedule showing Sandy Hook event drill L366 right on the schedule in the map they distributed. You can download for yourself the FEMA manual for the Sandy Hook event. 
there's a, a certain point, Michael, at which I believe any person who is taking a, a rational, objective look at the evidence has to acknowledge, wow, I see it now. Absolutely. Even if they did not before. Yes, you can go to jameshfetzer.org and look that up for yourself. And I have done that right now. I'm looking at the FEMA Sandy Hook uh, manual. And yes, it says site activation, call down drill exercise plan. And right there, Jim, right in the beginning, I would say right in the first chapter, the preparation for mass casualty is a drill designed to establish a learning environment for players to exercise emergency response plans, policies, and procedures as they pertain to a mass casualty uh, incident involving children. And uh, Jim, it's just a coincidence again that there just happened to be a FEMA drill right where the school was, kind of like uh, with uh, 9-11. Oh, yeah. 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 Michael, we have this again and again. And by the way, you know, it was no coincidence that Amazon banned my book. Nobody died at Sandy Hook less than a month after it went on sale, even though it sold nearly 500 copies where I brought together 13 experts, including six PhDs. And we established a school had been closed by 2008, that there were no teachers or students there and that it had been a FEMA drill presented as mass murder to promote gun control, we already had the FEMA manual, which I included as Appendix A. But this was too threatening because it blew the whole case apart. So I believe acting as an agent of the state, and we've just had this ruling from a federal judge about how the federal government has been using the social media in order to censor the American people. Well, I believe they were using Amazon.com as well to censor on behalf of the government. Absolutely, yeah, of course. So, you know, you can actually still find it. I'm not allowed to send it out because there are these three sentences for which I was sued, and you'll learn a lot about the lawsuit and how the judge ruled that all the evidence I had that nobody died at Sandy Hook because it was a FEMA drill was ruled by the judge to be irrelevant to the truth or the accuracy of a death certificate that states the decedent died at Sandy Hook of multiple gunshot wounds on 14 December 2012. And if you find that to be a bit bizarre, let me assure you from a legal point of view, this is absurd. But that's how it went in the circuit court right here in Wisconsin, and it was upheld by the Court of Appeals of Wisconsin, and then declined to be reviewed by the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So I wound up taking it all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And you can see many, many of the documents there are embedded, linked to this article, Michael. So it's really like a tutorial in the Sandy Hook as to what did and did not happen and how the courts were used to cover it up. Because in none of the trials, whether in using Alex Jones or Remington, or even myself, was a case decided on its merits. They were decided on procedural grounds by presupposition. In the case of Alex Jones, some violation of discovery. No one knows what he failed to produce. In other words, this whole thing has been an elaborate charade by using the law to cover up, to run cover for the government shenanigans of conducting 
drills and presenting them as mass murder to promote a government agenda. It is stunning. It's insane that you're caught up in that, Jim. And it's even uh, more telling that they won't even look at the evidence that you have presented them. They just dismiss it right away. So, Michael, what I want to do is simply encourage everyone to to take a look. I mean, uh, this is a an opportunity from someone who has been all the way to the United States Supreme Court to gain access to information that I submit, you will find completely convincing that this was a drill presented as mass murder in a Barack Obama's pursuit of taking weapons away from the American people. And there, there's much, much more, but what I sought to do here was in relatively brief compass provide very telling documents that establish this was a FEMA drill and to show how the courts were used to cover it up. Michael, those are key lessons to learn here. Oh, yes. And another thing that I've been asked previously about, Jim, is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Lots of listeners out there have been wanting your opinion on this individual. And as you know, he launched his campaign for the Democratic presidential nomination. Yes. What are your yes, thoughts? Of course. Well, I, I, I like uh, RFK Jr. Of course, I was very devoted to his father and to his uncle. And I've done uh, quite a lot of research on both of their deaths. Uh, the, 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 uh, Bobby's death was actually caused by a security guard who was accompanying him. Surahan was a distraction. So while everyone was looking at Surhan, who was firing off his shots, the security guard, who had the same caliber type of weapon, shot Bobby behind the right ear from an inch and a half. And as he fell to the ground, fired three more shots, two of which hit Bobby, one of which simply went through his coat, but where Bobby grabbed at his tie. And actually, you can see in some photographs when he's lying on the ground in the pantry, his tie clasp is there on the floor. So that was a true assassin of Bobby. They framed a Palestinian. I do think Israel had a hand there because they make a practice. It's like on 9-11, we suddenly get this report of a phone call from the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine claiming responsibility, which was simply absurd. And then they showed footage of Palestinians rejoicing, which I knew at the time had to be archival from the past from some political or religious event where they were celebrating. And that proved to be exactly right. This was an Israeli op to create an event that could draw American forces into the Middle East so they could be used to dispatch the modern Arab states that served as a counterbalance to Israel's domination of the entire region and eventually to confront the Persian nation of Iran. It was highly successful up to the point that in Syria, Russia and Iran intervened on behalf of the democratically elected president of Syria, Bashir al-Assad, and put a halt to it. But what else Americans don't know is that ISIS was created by the United States. John Brennan, Hillary Clinton, and Barack Obama oh, yeah. created ISIS in 2012 to be a terrorist army to put pressure on uh, Assad and eventually to be used for other terrorist acts throughout the region, which was opposed by Mike Flynn, who was the head of the National Intelligence Agency, and where Brennan was so unhappy with Flynn's opposition that he suggested to Obama that he fire him 
which Obama obligingly did. So that they had to get rid of Mike Flynn when Donald Trump took him as his national security advisor because Mike Flynn knew where the bodies were buried and would not have allowed Trump to be played by these gamesmen, these dirty dealers, including Barack Obama, including Hillary Clinton, including John Brennan, are three de despicable cads who have ascended a high position in the American government with tragic consequences for us and other nations, their decisions have affected. Oh, yes. And don't forget all those nice Toyota trucks that ISIS was driving around in. Oh, yeah, I know. Back in 2015. Brand new Toyota trucks. <laughs> oh, you I wonder. Exactly right. You, and, and many ISIS members were sporting U.S. Army tattoos, mm. Michael. It was embarrassingly yeah. bad. There you go. It's... We even uncovered a video showing they were recording one of the beheading scenes on a soundstage. It may even have been in Hollywood that they could use, you know, for propaganda purposes. Right. I mean, it's very, very bad, but Hollywood has had a role in a whole large number of these events. And I believe that even extends to 9 11. Oh, yes. And, you know, I forgot all about those beheading videos that were all the rage for a while uh, during that time period. It, it seemed like we were watching beheading videos left and right, and now we uh, see no such thing anymore. I know. I guess it all I went know. away. All just went away. Sw swept under the rug, Jim, like they usually do. And going back to what you just said here about 9 11. You still firmly believe there were no planes. Um, is that correct, Jim? Well, it, it sounds so counterintuitive. Let me put it this way. Sure. None, none of the four alleged 9-11 aircraft actually crashed on 9-11. It turns out two of them, Flight 11 North Tower and Flight 77 Pentagon, were not even in the air. We know this because Edward Henry captured the Bureau of Transportation Statistics data for that day, where the Bureau of Transportation Statistics reports very specific data about all commercial flights in the United States including the time they're scheduled to take off, the time they actually take off, when they have wheels up, when they have wheels down, all this very specific data. But on 9-11, there was no entry for the flights that would be claimed to be the plane that hit the North Tower or the plane that crashed into the Pentagon. Now, there was a real plane involved with regard to the Pentagon that was flown, flown toward the Pentagon and then swerved over it at the same time an explosion took place at the front of the Pentagon from a missile fired by an unmanned aerial vehicle, a Global Hawk. So there were spectators who saw a plane. Now, interestingly, a colleague of mine from JFK Research, Roy Schaefer, had a friend who was a trucker, Dave Ball, who was in front of the Pentagon. He witnessed the plane fly toward and then fly over the Pentagon. And what was puzzling to Roy is that he still thought that a plane had hit the Pentagon, even though he'd seen this plane fly over it. Now, Norman Mineta, by the way, was in an underground bunker with Dick Cheney at the time. And an aide to Cheney came up and said, sir, it's 50 miles out. Sir, it's 40 miles out. Sir, it's 30 miles out. Did the order still stand? And Cheney whipped around and said, of course the order still stands. Have you heard anything to the contrary? Well, the order had to be to not shoot the plane down. If you shoot a plane down, then, of course, you lose the passengers in the plane, but you don't lose personnel or property in the target area. 
the order was not to shoot it down because it was a diversion. It was part and parcel of the plan to create the impression a plane had actually hit the Pentagon. But even Jamie McIntyre, who was the best correspondent for CNN, reported when the scene that was no evidence of a plane having hit anywhere near the Pentagon. And he was right there conducting a close-up inspection. Now, regarding the other two flights, 93 and 175, Shanksville and the South Tower, no plane crashed in Shanksville. Uh, there's a, a hole in the ground. There really is no aircraft debris at all. So that the two reporters first on the scene reported that the eerie aspect of the crash site was that there was no sign any plane had crashed there, and for good reason. Because pilots for 9-11 Truth were able to track that plane and discovered it was over Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, after it had officially crashed in Shanksville. Similarly, pilots for 9-11 Truth were able to track Flight 175 and found that it was over Harrisburg and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, after it had officially hit the South Tower. And indeed, I tracked down Federal Aviation Administration records for aircraft and turned out that the physical aircraft used for those two different flights, and remember the same plane can be used for multiple different flights one right. day from Tampa to Chicago, the next day from New York City to Los Angeles, were not even formally taken out of service or deregistered until 28 September 2005. Yeah, so I'm, how can planes right. that weren't even in the air have crashed on 9-11, Michael? The skeptics, and how can planes um, that crashed on 9-11 have still been in the air four years later? Now, that's right. <laughs> I've, I've yes. explained this all in great detail with a mountain of evidence in videos, a 9-11 special. I've done it several different places. One is on germ warfare with Jeremy uh, out of South Africa, just a brilliant guy. That's germ, J-E-R-M, warfare. On 9-11, I did with him a special also on JFK, also on Sandy Hook. Or you can go to my BitChute channel, Jim Fetzer, and if you do search on my 9-11 special, which is in memoriam for Robert David Steele for 2021, you'll find a very detailed explanation of how all this was done. They created the visual image in uh, New York City by projecting the image of a plane, it was a hologram that all those videos captured approaching the South Tower. How do we know? Well, number one, it was traveling at a speed that would have been aerodynamically impossible had it been a bona fide 767. It would have come apart in the air. Pilots for 9-11 Truth, by the way, produced a documentary entitled 9-11 Intercepted, where they explain the plane could not have survived that speed at that altitude. That's number one. Number two, its entry into the South Tower shows no collision effects. Now, what we're talking about is the passage of an aircraft from, from front to end, its complete length into a building in the same number of frames that passes its complete length through air, which because distance equals rate times time, it means there was no diminution in the velocity of the aircraft in air, which is preposterous physically unless a massive 500,000-ton steel and concrete building provides no more resistance to the flight of an aircraft than air. And 
in addition, he had a hand-eye coordination problem, so he had the nose-out phenomenon. So the nose of a plane, which with regard to these commercial carriers is the most fragile part, is just packed with electronics. The nose actually pokes out the other side of the building, which is a physical impossibility. But it was a hologram. So what you're seeing is the image that was projected. The reason it could travel faster and not come apart is because it was being projected by a plane that was 1,200 feet to the side using what's known as an airborne holographic projector. Ivan was sent a page from an Australian military manual showing exactly how one plane projects the image of another plane for the purpose of deception, and that's what they did on 9-11. And then this fellow, Richard D. Hall, did this brilliant work. You can find it online. Richard D. Hall's Flight 175 3D radar study where he took among the 52 films that we have from Flight 175 approaching the South Tower, about 27 of which are specific, sufficiently specific that you can plot a location in time for the plane as it approaches a building. He discovered a similar plot from the National Institute for Science and Technology, which was carrying the heavy water for the government here, claimed to be based on radar data. He thought, what they were posing as radar data did not look authentic, but he found there actually was radar data. But ironically, it showed the plane 1,200 feet to the side of the posted images that had been plotted. And that was how he came to realize there was a real plane that was caught on radar because radio waves will bounce off of a real physical object, but they won't bounce off of a hologram and therefore, they had a real plot of the real plane, but it was 1,200 feet off to the side because it had been projecting the image. It was flying faster than a 767 could fly. It explained the impossible speed, the impossible entry, and the nose-out phenomenon. And there's no alternative hypothesis that comes close. Right. So it's really one of these cases of doing something in such a clever way, most Americans who wouldn't have the time or the inclination to try to sort it out, would simply accept that face value what they're being told by the media with no comprehension or appreciation that the media themselves were complicit in perpetrating this fraud on the American people. Yeah, now the entry of the plane has always been very strange to me, the way it just sort of cuts through the building like butter. Yes. Very that's unusual. Exactly right, and that's, and that's because it wasn't a real physical thing. It was simply the image. I mean, I haven't a seen plane. a lot of uh, plane crashes in my life, uh, Jim, but I feel like if it would have hit a building, it, it would have exploded right there and then. Upon impact, it wouldn't have uh, slid through the way it did. Yeah. Yeah, you're well, Michael, it would have crumbled external to the building. I mean, let me give you an illustration. <laughs> Flight 175 was intersecting with eight different floors. Each floor consisted of a steel truss connected to one end to the massive core columns at the other to the external steel support columns, which were quite formidable in and of themselves, covered with four to eight inches of concrete. And that variance is because it, these Trusses had V-shaped grooves that were four inches deep. But because the building was 208 feet on a side, that meant each floor represented an acre of concrete on a steel truss. So this plane would have been intersecting with eight acres of concrete on steel trusses 
fronted by the massive support columns, which were quite formidable, and yet it did so without any collision of hacks. Hmm. Now, you have to understand, when you're witnessing violations of the laws of physics, what you're witnessing cannot possibly be real. It, the question becomes, how was it faked? And now we know. Right. All that titanium, the steel, the carbon fiber. I guess it's uh, strong enough, Jim. Wow. Oh, it's fascinating. And <laughs> yes. by the way, let me let me add, before we conclude our conversation yes, for today, that I've just done an interview with Mike King on my Raw Deal radio show, which is posted on my blog, uh, BitChute channel, Jim Fetzer. If you put that in, you'll get there. And we had four parts to the show, two hours. We spent a half an hour talking about the Ukrainian war. We spent a half an hour talking about how the Democrats appear to be planning to steal the election of 2024, just in the same way they stole the election of 2020 and of 2022, that Biden doesn't have any campaign headquarters. He has only maybe two people on a staff. He hasn't any campaign events planned. I mean, it's very clear they're going to use the same basement strategy if Biden should be the candidate. And that's an open question. There's so much evidence of corruption now, and he's so incompetent. So this isn't the real Joe. The guy who's playing the role has just fallen apart. And he, he he's getting testy with the public. He's losing his way on the stage. He's tripping and falling. I suspect they're going to try to find a way to take Biden out and replace him with Gavin Newsom of California. I have no doubt. Oh, Lord. He, he is the anointed one. Michael. I hope not. I hope not. I know you're out there in California. Yeah, terrible. So you know up close and personal oh, what yeah. Gavin Newsom is doing for California. But I suspect they're going to try to run Michelle Obama as his VP pick. Now, during the third hour, uh, third half hour, Mike King and I talked about what he'd published about my Sandy Hook uh, piece explaining how it was a FEMA drill and the mountain of evidence and the legal aspects. But the fourth and final segment, we talked about Michelle Obama and all the evidence we have that uh, Michelle has a package that most women do not have. Oh, my God. We, we have photographs of Michelle letting her beard grow when her husband's no longer president. Oh, my. Yeah, I showed two different videos, one of her coming out of the <laughs> a building where she's scratching her balls and Yikes. another where she's dancing on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And it's very obvious she's equipped with something that women do not have. I show you photographs of Michelle, whose name, she was born Michael LaVon Robinson before she had breast implants. And it's very obvious what we're dealing with here. I mean, I think your audience would find this fascinating, probably on all four counts, but at the very least, I would think the last two, you can check those out at BitChute channel, Jim Fetzer, Michael. Very to nice. To watch my, my interview with Mike King. And of course, other shows I'm doing are being posted there as well for those who might want to follow up on one or another issue. 
Oh, yes. Go check out BitChute. Look up James Fetzer or just go to James Fetzer or JamesHFetzer.org. My apologies and can be caught up with everything that we just uh, discussed here. And uh, Jim, I do want to thank you for giving us some of your time here. And uh, we'll do it again live next time. Yeah, Michael, I'm just delighted. Yeah. If you just put in BitChute channel Jim Fetzer, I think it'll get you right there. And it's among the most recent because we just had the interview on Wednesday. I think you'll like it. And Michael, I can tell you how delighted I am to be back on with you again. Oh my God. Me too, Jim. I'm so glad uh, that you are fit and healthy again. And uh, yes, we'll be uh, doing more shows together here, Jim. You got it, Michael. You got it, brother. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks so very much. You got it. Bye-bye. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was Jim Fetzer, jameshfetzer.org. You know, I got to say this, it's always been astounding to think that the government exists to genuinely help the people. The primary motives behind governmental actions often revolve around power, control, and money. Now, before I cut myself loose here, I do want to thank all of you out there for pressing play. Much love and respect to all of you. Of course, those of you that will listen to the podcast rendition of this program, make sure to join us live one of these days during the week. Come and hang out with us. We would uh, love that. And if you haven't subscribed to the program yet, please do so on YouTube, iTunes, Podbean, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us or go to michaeldeacon.com. All the information is right there for you. And if you want bonus material, please direct yourself to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon and that is where gold falls from the sky boys and girls now with that said the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery until next time good night